0: Welcome to Not Lost in the Crowd. I'm Galen Pogue, a certified empowerment coach with a passion for helping people who wanna make a difference find their way forward. Each week, I practice what I preach by putting my voice out there in my original segment, Two Way Mirror. And every two weeks, I interview proven leaders from all walks of life who share their journeys and their insight to help light your way as you find your voice, find your audience, and become one of the next generation of changemakers. Our world needs your voice in a bigger way. So come on, let's do this thing together. Welcome to Not Lost in the Crowd. I'm Galen Pogue, and today... I am joined on the podcast by a speaker, author, and master executive coach, Gretchen Heido. Gretchen has spent nearly two decades working hands-on with individual clients, brands, and notable companies. She is a master certified coach through the International Coach Federation, the highest designation a coach can have. There are only 1,050 master coaches worldwide. She's also an instructor for the Life Purpose Institute and has an impressive legacy in public relations as her previous career. Gretchen is regularly featured in A list publications such as the Chicago Tribune and Fast Company. Her upcoming book, Dirty Little Secrets of Women, a 10 step guide to help women break free from the shame of secrets, live unafraid, and create deep connections to themselves and others, is reservable now. I wanted to have Gretchen on today. Because with her public relations and marketing background, and as someone who coaches coaches on how to develop a thriving and fulfilling business, she is an absolute expert on how to find your voice and your audience. I am so grateful to have this heartfelt, masterful, powerhouse change maker on the podcast today. Gretchen, welcome to Not Lost in the Crowd. It's great to have you here.
1: Thank you so much, Galen, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. I'm so delighted to be here with you and the listeners today.
0: I always start my interviews off with the question, same question that I ask everybody. So whose voice did you just love listening to as a child? And now whose voice do you love listening to as an adult?
1: I love this question. You know, as a child, it was my grandmother's voice. She had the most loving, nurturing, kind piece about her that it was just so warm to hear her speak. And she had an accent because she was from Hungary. And so it wasn't just her voice that I loved to hear, but it was also the words that she would say that I loved to listen to.
0: What if the tone of that voice and those words, I guess, how did they tug at you? Maybe is the question I want to ask about that.
1: They tugged at me. They really built a value system for my life and gave me great safety and comfort as a child. She passed last year. And as a grown-up, one of the last things that she said to me was follow your yellow brick road. You're the only one who can create your happiness, go out and create it. And I said to her, are you the coach or am I the coach? Even as, as it was the last time we were going to meet on this side of heaven She still had, wow, that really just touches me. She still had these great words of advice for me.
0: So coaching started really early, it sounds like.
1: (laughs) She's such an inspiration in my life. My family immigrated here from Hungary during the revolution, and they were freedom fighters, and she was a big part of the women's revolution in Hungary as well. So man, I mean, that woman, so many things. Escaping here with children in the snow while the communists were on their heels and Talk about a woman of perseverance and full of God and love and kindness and looking for the good that it's her voice. It was always her voice.
0: How amazing to have that powerful female voice back when powerful female voices weren't necessarily a huge thing.
1: Yeah, it's the truth.
0: So would you say, is that the same voice as an adult that you just love listening to?
1: Yes, it certainly is. It's funny when I think about whose voice did I love listening to? I know that a lot of people maybe it was Oprah or whomever it might have been for them, but it was always just my grandmother because she never gave me a piece of advice that was wrong
0: ever. (laughs) Wow, that's impressive.
1: Yes, exactly. You know, and I think the reason for that is she was such a God-centered individual that she would get her download from connecting to a power greater than herself And it was God for her. And she really shared that with me and gifted me that same kind of connection. But she would give it to me straight and she'd give it to me kind. And she said some hard truths and she said a lot of nice things as well. She was never unkind to me, but she was like a North Star for sure.
0: I've always been a little bit jealous of people that did have strong faith, strong beliefs, because That really seemed to power them to be able to be that direct, to be able to be this force of nature in the world. And most of the time for good. Agreed. Okay. So you are this amazing master coach at this point, and you weren't always a master coach. (laughs) True. And I know there's a journey there. And this show, Not Lost in the Crowd, is really about people's journeys. My listeners... They haven't quite made it to sustainability with their calling yet, and they need to know there's a light at the end of the tunnel. They need to be able to get past the things that they're stuck with. And so I just think it's really important for them to hear the real-life stories of people that actually have gotten to the place where they've found their voice and found their audience. So would you just be willing to share with us your journey to become a coach?
1: Oh, 100%. First of all, I really want to commend you for this show, for taking people through journey and story, because many of us feel alone, or we might feel like we're the only one that feels the way that we feel. And as a coach, what I've come to realize and just on my journey as a human being in my earth suit, we're not alone. And we all feel pretty darn similar on my quest. The first thing is I didn't know it was a quest. I was in the world of public relations, had a pretty darn good business had my own boutique agency, and I wasn't looking for something more. But I remember turning 40 and feeling like, is this it? I did everything, quote unquote, right. I went to college, then I went on and did further education. I had the car in the driveway and the two kids and a husband for quite a long time at that point. And I just felt kind of hollow. I mean, I guess if this is it, maybe I could get a dog. Maybe that's going to help. Well, I didn't get the dog. But, you know, we're always looking for something outside of ourselves to fill the void. And I find that a lot of my clients have shared similar stories of the is this it feeling. And what I know that means today is I was really looking for my purpose chord, that what was I put here to do?
0: Did you say your purpose chord?
1: Yeah, my purpose chord. What's my purpose in life?
0: Okay, so like a chord you play on the piano
1: could be or a chord you play in your heart. Okay. Yeah. And when I thought about that and I thought of my grandma and her purpose chord, gosh, talk about a woman with a strong sense of self and what it is that she should be doing. I knew that it wasn't just about money. It wasn't about getting another client into the news one more time. And really, I didn't care about it. I was burnt out. And what happened was I was with some clients in Texas And I was going through their PR campaign for the next year. And one of them said to me, you should be a coach. And I was like, yeah, okay. I didn't really know what it was. Anyway, we have to get back to your PR campaign. And I just sort of brushed it under the carpet. Few days later, I mentor a lot of women and I was mentoring a woman. And she said to me, you should have been a therapist. Now, this is not the first time that I have heard this. I'm the girl that since I was little in the elevator, you might ask me a question and I could help you out by the third floor or you've told me your life story for me asking you, how are you doing? But I told her, I don't really wanna be a therapist. I'm not that interested in listening to the drudgery. I'm more interested in impact and what can you do with today? And she said, oh, you should be a coach. And I laughed just the way you just did. And what I know is when I hear something more than once, I'm supposed to pay attention. And I said, okay, well, what is a coach? Is it a fake therapist? Does it mean that I'm not very smart, so I became a coach instead of a therapist? And she said, oh, no, coaches are life changers. And so part of my journey was figuring out what is that? So I did some research. I found different coaching schools. I learned that coaching helps people who are already doing basically well. They might be having that same as this moment, but it helps them to uncover, well, what is next? You know, and it helps purposeful people step into their next level of self. And I thought, that's a job. Heck, yeah, I'm going to do that. And I went, I got the certifications and really went on my path to become a coach. And I can remember feeling like, yeah, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to do. And helping people turn the light bulbs on and lasso in that future self and the future hope into today to make a created life was just huge. So that was a part of my journey.
0: You mentioned that in our pre-interview, you had talked about there being some trials and tribulations along the way there to become a coach. Can you share about
1: that? Oh my gosh. The list is endless. I'll give you a few. So the very first trial and tribulation was the title coach. I don't like anything that I think sounds fluffy. Now, whether it coaches is or is not fluffy is up to each and every person that hears the title, but I was a publicist. That sounded pretty important. Carried some clout. Coach sounded phony to me for whatever reason. And so I had to get over that hurdle. Then when I became a coach, I had to figure out, okay, am I going to work my PR company still and be a coach? That's a lot to do. And I had two small children at the time and my life is pretty big. Or am I going to sell my PR company? So that was a hurdle. So I ended up selling the PR company. I also had to figure out, well, how does one find their voice in coaching. There are so many coaches out there. How do I find my voice in coaching and how do I find my client that's going to gain value and also where I'm going to be able to make a sustainable living? So that was another hurdle.
0: Well, that is a great hurdle for this show. Can you talk a little bit about how you got over that hurdle?
1: Yes. So what I was going to say is, you know, in PR, I had it pretty figured out of what you needed to say to get someone to sign up. And a lot of it was based in fear. You know, in public relations, you can say, yeah, take your time if you need to, but just know that the story cycle is going to be over pretty quickly. And so if you wait too long, you might miss it. Nothing like a little pressure to get the signed contract. Coaching was not that way. You cannot pressure people into life purpose, nor should you. So everything that I knew about sales was not lining up for coaching. And I couldn't figure out, well, how in the heck am I ever going to be profitable at this? And then I learned what it was that you have to do. Coaching is a human to human connection. Coaching's not a sale. PR is very much a sale. Sell. You're selling something. We're coaching. It's a service. And if it is useful to the other person and they find the value then they should do it. But I have no way of knowing if that person's life is going to change or not. That's where coaching is a partnership that I'm going to show up fully ready and present. And so will they in order to get the changes in their life that they want. But to learn that took a lot of trial and error. And it also took a lot of pacing. I'm very fast. I didn't know that I needed to slow way down when it came to coaching and the coaching process. So there were just so many nuances there, Galen, that I did. I would
0: imagine it also took a lot of patience. Like if you were used to just operate a certain way and you sign the contract and stuff in your other field, I would imagine that you were able to practice that patience, realize this was a different animal. And then over time, you were able to see that it was profitable in the way you wanted. Is that kind of how that evolved
1: Bit by bit. So it wasn't so much developing patience, it was developing service mindset. And so as I developed a service mindset, not what could I get, PR is very much a what can I get industry. But in coaching, it's what can I give and how can I serve? And will the value that I'm bringing in the person's life affect change for them? If so, I'm going to be profitable, both monetarily and spiritually.
0: That's a big leap right there. (laughs) I'm not saying it's not true right? That's not what I'm saying. And it's funny because you brought up earlier how you don't like fluffy stuff, but that saying, if you're focused on service, it will be profitable. Sounds really fluffy.
1: Doesn't it though? Okay. So can we talk about service for a minute? Yeah, please. So here's the thing. Service is anything but fluffy. When you are with somebody and you're truly being of service and coaches, our skills are, we listen actively. We reflect We help someone figure out the big aha moment. We're listening for the nuances of what they're saying and not saying. We're helping them with the thing that's stuck in their throat and their body and their soul that they've always wanted to pull it up and give it life. We're helping them find courage. We're helping them to take next steps. We're helping them to remove blocks. That is service. Me being 100% present with another person to give them the space to be able to do what I just suggested is great and deep service that has zero fluff.
0: That's beautiful. I love it. I love it. Because coaching is not just fluff too, but until you get down to what the specifics Mm -hmm. of what is important to them, they get clear about it. And then you get clear about what are you actually going to do and how is accountability going to work and all these different things, then it is kind of fluff until it's that.
1: Here's what I learned about that pretty early on too, is one of the ways that I found my voice in coaching to help find my clients was I had some stipulations. I had my own requirements to work with people. And in the beginning, I didn't. So this is also part of my coaching journey is In the beginning, I'd take anyone on who thought they might be interested in coaching and was willing to pay. I didn't really know I should have other parameters. I thought, oh, yeah, green money is a great way to work with me and fantastic, let's do it. And yes, I will do service. But here's the deal. What I found was that unless I had a true commitment from the person on the other side, the potential client that I might work with... The value is never really going to be there. And so I would slow down those conversations when the person would ask, how do we work together and tell them that, you know, I'm really glad that we're here, but here's the thing. I have a few requirements. One is that you're ready. And what that does, Galen, is it switches the them interviewing me to me interviewing them and to really find out, are you ready for the change that's going to happen? Because only, you know, it might be a terrible time for someone to have a bunch of change. And that's just the truth. We have different seasons, And the other requirement is commitment because it's more than a financial commitment. It's a commitment to self. It's a commitment to change. It's a commitment to show up and do the work. Although, yes, coaching is about accountability. You have to do it. I'm not going to do it for you. I don't live in your house or in your world. And so, those are things that help a potential client really get serious and to take the fluff out of coaching that, oh, this woman, Gretchen, that I'm talking to is serious about the business of change. She doesn't just take on anybody. And if I'm going to work with her, this is high intensity coaching. I'm going to be different from this process, but I'm giving them a container to step into of this is what's expected instead of anything goes.
0: Yes. This strikes me as so helpful and relevant to my listeners too. My listeners should be primarily people that help. Their primary motivation is because they care. There can be a lot of fluff there if you're not choosy about who you help too. I think this would be a really helpful idea for my listeners to consider to actually think about what are my requirements for who I'm serving? I'm not going to just work or give my energy to just everyone because there's a cost. If I'm giving it to just anybody, then there's a whole bunch of people that would benefit even more from my service that are ready, that are not going to get access to me because I'm too busy giving it away to just anyone.
1: And you say something really key here. Here's the deal. We can't give away what other people don't want. So many of us helpers, we do want to help and we want to help everybody. And that's part of the problem because although most people do need help, it's only those who want to receive the help that truly will benefit. And so having those requirements of readiness and commitment level that come with a cost as well, nothing commits you more than money leaving your pocket. You show up very differently than you do if something's for free. And so there are some requirements there that will show a level of readiness with the person that you're going to work with so that you can give them the care.
0: That's great. Okay. There's so much I want to get to. <laughs> I mentioned that book that you're about to release, Dirty Little Secrets of Women. What was the journey for you with this book?
1: Ever since I was a kid, I knew that I was going to write a book. And my grandmother, who we've already talked about, was very instrumental in that. She always believed in my writing and knew that I would one day have a book. And I've written several fiction books, none of them that have been published, but have always been writing. And it came to me one day that this was the book that I was going to write, Dirty Little Secrets of Women, and that I was going to help women break free of the shame from their secrets. And I thought, what a tall order. Wow. Okay. I guess that's usually how I meet God with most of his requests for me. I was like, are you sure? Okay, I guess. And so I decided to say yes. And I began writing this book. Well, I'm a very diligent, dedicated person, but this journey took five years until I finally hired a book coach and put my money, my value where my mouth is. So when I'm saying the thing about make sure your clients are ready and committed, I also had to be ready and committed and nothing committed me more than putting some money on the line so that I had someone who was really keeping me to task. But the journey of the actual book, man, I had to let go of ego. I had to let go of what are my clients going to think? What if someone reads this and they kind of have an off-putting experience because of it? Or how much am I going to reveal about my secrets? How can I be a good author if I don't reveal any secrets? And so there was a lot there that I really had to think about. How much of my childhood do I reveal How do I protect the people in my life that redemption has been made and I don't want to pull anyone over, you know, the fire type of thing? So there was a lot that went into that journey of just trust, just write, just the next sentence, just the next chapter. Be willing to put it on paper and then let the editor edit. Do what they say to do. Let them pull out the best gems, not to be tied to all of the ego saying, well, if you put that out, that might be too much. Maybe no one's gonna like it. All of those different pieces.
0: Yeah, God, it sounds like a lot that you went through. I mean, there's a reason they call it a secret. Right. So that my curiosity from this then is when people share secrets, why do that? Why does that help people to share secrets?
1: So this I have so much juice around this. So here's the deal. Secrets have a one, two, three punch. The first is the action, whatever the thing is that you did. Let's say that you stole the grapes at the grocery store and you were eating them and you didn't pay for them at checkout. That's your secret. That's the secret action. The two is what you believe about yourself because of that action. Maybe it becomes, well, I'm not really trustworthy. I ate those grapes. Or maybe it's something to do with, ha-ha, I got away with it. No one caught me. You never know. Like Secrets come in all sorts of forms. And then the three is the bigger secret about what led you to do it in the first place. It's usually some kind of childhood wiring. I call it faulty wiring that gets you to behave in this sort of system that you were taught about the world. So if the secret is about the grapes, that's your action and your narrative about it is, ha ha, I got away with it. Maybe in childhood, then the bigger secret was the frame that you viewed the world from, which is get away with what you can. That was your faulty wiring. So you've now lived a life and created a life, not just about grapes, but about how you are in relationship, how you are in the workplace, with your kids, with your friends, about ha, I can get away with it.
0: Wow. So your secrets, it's like they're all little symptoms of how you live your life. I forget who said it, but there was that famous quote, how you do one thing is how you do everything.
1: Yes, yes. I 100% agree with that.
0: And then why do you need to keep it a secret? Because there's going to be a reason. And that reason is going to have something important. There's going to be some reason that hasn't been resolved yet.
1: I'll tell you, you know, from my book, typically the reason is because of the exposure that if whoever you're so afraid of finding out found out, then whatever the story is you've told yourself, they won't like me, love me, I won't belong they'll kick me out, I'll be rejected. Whatever that is, is so strong that you are willing to keep the secret and be in shame rather than just letting it out there, I ate the grapes.
0: I want also to get to the ripple and the ripple effect because Gretchen, can you just set it up for my listeners? First off, what is a ripple and the ripple effect? Why are those concepts so important to your coaching?
1: Yes, here's the deal. Each and every encounter that we have, even by ourselves, we're creating a positive or a negative ripple with our thoughts, with the way that we project into the world and with our actions. And when you think about your ripple and the way that you want to be in the world, this is where it's important because an intentional ripple can change everything. So if I decide that for the day, I'm going to say hi and make eye contact with every single person I've met. I am sure that my ripple has been one that's positive. Maybe the grocery checkers had a bad day and I've actually said hi, and I'm not on my cell phone and we have some small chit chat and it can change that person's ripple with the next person that he's bagging the groceries for. And on a bigger level than that too, when we are fully present with the person in front of us, we create a huge ripple, usually positive, one of safety that people can step into And it's never just about our ripple. It's about if I can change my ripple and it affects your ripple, who do you go out and change? So right now it's your listeners. You've created this really great platform for people to listen to, and that's part of your ripple effect. Now, whoever's listening, they're going to take something from this, we hope, and put it into action. And that changes their ripple effect. So it can be one that's positive or it can be one that's negative, but rest assured you are creating a ripple everywhere you go.
0: Just by simply being you, being there?
1: Just by being. It's the ripple precedes you and it's there after you leave. So that energy that you bring with you, that's part of your ripple. If you came in like a hurricane, people feel it. If you left like a hurricane, they feel it. So that's part of the real importance of the ripple effect.
0: So how do you work with your clients then in regards to that ripple? Do you try and lessen the impact of negative ripples? How do you use that?
1: So when I'm working with my clients on their ripple effect, we really look at what they want for their created future. And what that means is this, if we don't make changes, we're all going to live in our default future. And that's very much the life that you're living today. If you don't do anything different, your life's probably going to stay basically the same. But to really create an intentional ripple, we have to think about who do you want to be and how do you want to show up? It even can be everything, the book you want to write, the stage that you want to speak on, the people that you want to help. All of that can be included, but we start to take a look at who would you need to be to have that life? And then what I work on them with is the gap. So where are you not that person today? Is it in mindset? Is it in body? What needs to happen to be able to be there? Do you need to catch some bravery? Do we need to work with your belief system? Is it an action that you need to take? But I work with them to pull in that created future into today. And that always changes the ripple.
0: Oh, that sounds pretty powerful.
1: <laughs> not fluffy.
0: No, not fluffy. And <laughs> also just the imagery of a ripple itself. It's not someone doing a cannonball, right? A ripple is it's just a touch. A touch sends ripples. I think about that in relation to the way people approach their lives and people that are trying to change and do self-development. and Like a lot of times when I'm trying to do that, I think in terms of I have to make a big splash. But how big of a splash do you need to make a ripple and how do you decide what size? You
1: know, it's interesting because there's no wrong answer. Some people do want to make a cannonball. They do want to be a cannonball. That's fine. But we can look at how do you want to be a cannonball? And some people, it is the small touch. It's just the person in front of them. And then that person touches somebody in front of them. Again, the energy behind it, the intention behind it creates that ripple. And some people have a bigger platform than others. Some people really are comfortable doing the cannonball, while others maybe aren't. But all of it counts. It's interconnected.
0: You know what strikes me is that a lot of people don't recognize the ripples they're making like when they are growing and when they're trying to change and transform. And that's why so many people give up a lot of times. Is I know the times that I've been able to successfully stay on that path of self-change. I don't see the completed project yet. I don't see that my goal is totally fulfilled, but I see those ripples in my life where something's starting to move, something's starting to change. There's a difference. There's a trajectory that's happening. Do you work with people to recognize the ripples that they're making when they start intentionally?
1: Yes, and intentionality is very important. You know, I'll give you a personal example. Last night, I'm sitting with my son And I could tell he was in a bad mood. He's 17. And I just said, what's wrong? And he said, I feel really underappreciated. And immediately I wanted to go into defense, but that's not the ripple that I want to create with him. So instead I asked, tell me more about that. Where is this happening for you? And he got to say, and then I get to look at my own behavior of, oh yeah, I can see why sometimes he might feel that way with me when I, he hasn't even really gotten out of bed. I'm like, Hey, pick up your laundry. Do you think your bathroom could be clean? That definitely is a ripple. Those sorts of things from the smallest to the CEO that I coach that it's like, he has a hundred employees and what kind of a leader does he want to be? Does he want to inspire or does he want to intimidate? That's a ripple. And so it starts from the small, like we said, you know, with me and my son, that real small droplet all the way out to the big cannonball.
0: Cool. Oh. So Gretchen, I want to move on to the time that you've spent and probably the wisdom that you gained when you spent so many years working in public relations. You must have learned things from that time working there of how to help my listeners in finding or keeping their audience.
1: Yeah, this is actually one of my specialties. You'll hear from a lot of business people that you have to find your niche that was never, ever something that I have subscribed to, because that would have people believe is that there is only one sort of person and one bucket that you can serve. And the truth is when you think about who can I serve and who can I help that has these certain qualities, and I'll go over those in just a second, your pool gets bigger. We're back to the water again today. Your pool of people gets bigger. But for me, when I started as a coach, I didn't know I was going to coach coaches. That wasn't on my radar and if i would have stayed with a very small niche of i only coach this sort of person who does this sort of thing i would have missed out on this other great group of people that i really care for and love to help so what i instead subscribe to and that this really works is think of the personality traits of the people that you would like to help so i like to work with people who are driven i like to work with people who are up to big things i like to work with the people who are game changers I like to work with people who can follow through. I like to work with people who are not in the middle of their rising Phoenix stage out of the ashes. They've already kind of risen. And if you're in that stage, it's fine. There's someone else that will work with you, but it's really important. Like, What are the personality traits and what stage are they at? And then to think of yourself, because here's the deal. Every client we have, every person we serve in some way, shape, or form is a version of us, either who we've been or who we're turning into. That's who we're attracted to, and that's who's attracted to us. So there's some quality, value, capability, personality trait that resonates and that hooks up. So when you're looking for who can I serve and who can I help, think of your own journey in life. Where have you been? Where are you from? What road did you travel? What paths have you taken? Where has your life been touched? Where have you been influenced? Your people are there. And then think of where you're going. Your people are also ahead of you as well.
0: Really? Okay. Because I was thinking of this in terms of, great, I can help people whose story is like mine because I know my story and I can see some of the progress that I made on this story and maybe I can help them with getting from A to B. But how does it work then if your people are people ahead of you?
1: Yeah. So I can speak from a coaching realm. In coaching, coaching is a partnership. It's not about consulting or telling people what to do. It's about asking great questions and keeping a frame. And so it doesn't matter if I'm coaching the head of a very large organization. I've never been the head of an overly large organization. I can still hold the container for them to get curious and for them to receive information on who they are and to gain the answers to their own problems. So it's not for me to have to direct it now. Even when I was in public relations, the same thing, I did not have to know everything about every industry for every person that I did public relations for. They just have to have an element there that taps into you, or that you tap into. It's enough of a current for you to be able to pick it up and really do well with them.
0: So it's like, if you have a taste of that, can you see the ripple from an objective point? Maybe I need to let go of the ripple thing.
1: (laughs) Well, even if we did put the ripple in here, here's the deal. It's just remembering that people are creating a ripple regardless of if you understand it or not. What are they creating? And they know what they're creating. You can ask them, how do you see this? What's the feedback that you're getting from the world? We know from the information that is given back to us by the way that we behave.
0: I need a second on that one.
1: It's sort of like the analogy, healthy trees bear good fruit. So when you see a person and their life bears good fruit, they have a job, they have friends, they have love, they have family, they have a well-trained dog, whatever it might be, they've got good fruit. But when you see a person that they're a mess, their kids are a mess, everything's just really a mess. They're bankrupt. They're this, they're that. They're not a healthy tree and both are ripples, but you can always see how you're doing in the world based on the feedback that you're receiving. The way people treat you is a good indication of your reflection.
0: That's good. I like that. So, but where we started was how do you help people that are even farther ahead of you in the future? And you said you just have to know a piece to be able to help them.
1: Yeah. And the truth is this you help them the same way you help someone who's behind you. We help by our presence, we help by our listening, we help by who we are with them. So, that's how we help. Now, if someone's coming to you to be a consultant, you do need to know certain things to be able to help them forward if they're hiring you for specific job specifications. That's different. That's different than those of us who are in the world of like serving and you were talking about healers and those sorts of things. That's just a little bit different.
0: Well, it makes me think that, okay, so the audience of this podcast, they're going to be a wide range of people that some of them are a specific service and skill that they do. That's going to be part of the reason they're valuable. But even if they want to make a bigger impact, yes, you need to do your service well. But I think what this is pointing at is the way you do your service, your presence, how you show up. Do you know this person's story? Do you care? Do you do this in a bigger way than simply just being transactional?
1: That's exactly right. It's what value can you bring?
0: Yeah. and But sometimes people think value is just what exactly are you doing? What is the logistics of the service you're doing? But it's not.
1: It's not, it's never that. And that's where so many people end up feeling devalued is when it's just the logistics. We're here in this life to have experiences with each other and for one another. And so at least in my profession with coaching, coaching is an experience. It's not a transaction. Same thing if you're a nurse or a doctor, it's an experience.
0: I've been in the hospital, thankfully, not that many times. Mm The times I was, the stark difference between a nurse that really cared and took the time, even though they were probably super busy, so different. Thank you so much for all that you've shared. I want to just open a quick second here for it, just to see if you know my audience, who they are now. They're helping professionals and people that are helpers that want to make a bigger impact in the world and maybe stuck at various places or what they're just finding their way there. Is there anything I haven't asked about or that you find would be particularly helpful to share with my audience?
1: Yes, there's a great book. It's called The Go-Giver. It's by Bob Berg. This is a life-changing book. I have never had a person who's read it who hasn't taken something from it and really changed their ripple by it. So I would recommend that for the people that are listening, get this book. I don't know how they interact with you, but if they do, Galen, I'd love to know what they learned from the book because it's pretty transformational. Quick read. You can read it in a couple of hours.
0: Cool. I like it. I'll be honest. I'm still learning this podcasting medium. I think there's a way to make comments. I think there's a place for that. I'll have a podcast page and I believe people will be able to post comments. So to you, my listeners that want to go do this, go check this book out and write some of that there or I'll have my email there. You're welcome to send that to me. And on that note, Gretchen, you are a master coach. You have so much value. It's been so clear over this interview. If people want To find out more about working with you, I know there's a number of different ways that people can work with you and it's not just coaches, but you certainly can help coaches. Do they just go to hyd-o.com.
1: That's the best way. If you go to my website, you'll be able to find whatever the service is there that feels the best to you. And if you click on a button, it'll give you access to be able to email me or to get on my calendar.
0: I looked around the website and you've got a program that's launching called Stairway to Six. Would you like to say anything about that?
1: Sure. Thanks for asking. So my Stairway to Six program is a program for coaches who are looking to find their voice on their journey so that they can really connect with clients in a new way. All of the scatteredness and all of the kind of just disillusionment that comes from having to figure out how to be an entrepreneur and client creation. I take that out of it and make it that it's easy to connect. It's easy to serve. You know how to find your voice, which then leads you to how to find your clients, which then leads you to how to serve, and then you can pay your mortgage. So it's pretty darn good.
0: Well, I'm going to check that out. Perfect. (laughs) Thank you. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And I hope we get to talk again because there's plenty that I still have to ask.
1: (laughs) Well, this was so much fun. And to everyone who's listening, take good care.
0: Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that episode today. Just a quick note before you leave. As I mentioned in the intro to the show, I am a certified empowerment coach And I work with people just like you who want to make an even bigger impact on the world. Look, we've all got our blind spots. And the journey is just way faster and more fun when you've got that trained professional that has unshakable faith in you along for the ride. So if you're just chomping at the bit to move forward, email me at galen at com. That's g-a-e-l-e-n at e-m-b-o-l-d-e-n coaching.com and we'll set up a free strategy session to see if empowerment coaching is that game changer that you've been looking for thanks again for everyone who tuned in until next time find your voice find the people who need to hear from you and let's go change the world